With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Warlord of Core by Terry Carr. Chapter 10. Wearily, Ryanson switched off the interpreter, leaving the wires still connected to the alien. He walked through the faintly echoing, dust-filled temple and stepped out onto the colonnade around it. It was almost dark now. The deep blue of the herlogy sky had turned almost black, and the pinpoint lights of the stars broke through. The wind was rising from the flat. It caught his hair and whipped it roughly around his head. He looked up at the emerging stars, remembering the day when Harung had suddenly, inexplicably, stood and walked to the base of a broken staircase. He had looked up those stairs, past where they had broken and fallen, past the shattered roof to the sky. The herlogy had never reached the stars, but they might have. It had taken a god, or a jumbled legacy, from an older, greater race to forestall them. And now all they had was the dust and the wind. Ranson could hear the rising moan of that wind gathering itself around him, building to a wailing planet dirge among the columns of the temple. And inside, the herlogy were dying. The knives and bludgeons of the earth mob outside would only complete the job. The herlogy were too tired to live. They dreamed dimly under the shadowed foreheads, dreamed of the past and sometimes, perhaps, of the stars. Behind the altar, the huge and intricate mass of alien circuits glowed and clicked and pulsated, slowly, seemingly at random, but steadily. The brain must be self-perpetuating to have lasted this long, feeding its energy cells from some power source Ryanson could only guess at, and repairing its time-worn linkages when necessary. In its memory banks was stored the science of a race which had preceded even the ancient herlogy. The outsiders had sprung up when this planet was young, had fought their way to the stars and galaxies, and eventually, when eons of time passed down, had pulled in their outpost and fallen back to this world. And they had died here, on this world, falling to dust which was ground under by the grey race which had followed them to dominance. Before time, Harung had said, that must have meant before the herlogy had developed telepathy, before the period covered by the race memory. 
but the outsiders were still here, alive in that huge alien brain, the science, the knowledge, the strange arts of a race which had conquered the stars while men still wondered about the magic of lightning and fire. A science was encapsulated here which could speak of war and curiosity as discontent, but could say nothing definite of contentment. An incomplete science? A merely alien science? Ryanson didn't know. And the Herlogy, twenty-six of their race remained, dreaming under heavy domes through which the stars shone at night and silhouetted the worn edges of broken stone. Twenty-six gray, hopeless beings who had not even been waiting, and the Earthmen had come. For a moment, Ryanson wondered if the Herlogy did not perhaps carry a message for the Earthmen too, that decadence was the price of peace, death the inevitable end of contentment. The Herlogy had stilled themselves, back in the grey past, had taken their measure of quiet and contentment for thousands of years, the searching drives of their race dying within them, and this was their end. There is no purpose. Ranson shook himself and felt the cold wind cut through his clothing. It reawakened him. Stooping, he gathered up several of the disintegrators and brought them with him to the head of the massive stairs up which the attackers must come. He crouched beside those stairs, watching for movement below, but he couldn't see anything. Something about the herlogy still bothered him. Kneeling in the gathering darkness, he finally isolated it in his mind. It was their hopelessness the numbness that had crept over them through the centuries. No purpose. But they had lived in peace for thousands of years. No, their death was not merely one of decadence. It was suffocation. They had not chosen peace. It had been thrust upon them. The Herlogy had been at the height of their power, their growth still gathering momentum and they had to stifle it. The end in view didn't really matter. It had not been what they would have chosen, and, having had peace forced upon them before they had been ready for it, they had been unable to enjoy it, and the stifling of scientific curiosity that had been necessary to complete the suppression of the war instinct had left the herlogy with nothing. But it had all been so unnecessary, Ranson thought. The ancient outsider's brain, computing from insufficient evidence, probably gathered during a brief touchdown on Earth, had undoubtedly been able to give only a tentative appraisal of the situation. But the proto-herlogy language was not constructed to accommodate ifs and maybes, and the judgments of the brain were taken as law by the herlogy. Now the Earthmen for whom this race had deadened itself into near extinction would complete the job, because the Herlogy had learned their mistake far too late. Ranson shook his head. There was a sickness in his stomach, a gnawing anger at the ways of history. It was capricious, cruel, senseless. It played jokes spanning millennia. Suddenly there were sounds on the stairs below him. Ranson's head jerked up, and he saw five of the Earthmen climbing the stairs, moving as quickly as they could from level to level, crouching momentarily at each beneath the cover of the steps. He raised one of the disintegrators, feeling the rage building up within him. 
There was a humming sound by his ear. The beam of one of the stunners passed by him, touching the rock wall. The wall vibrated at the touch, but the range was too great for the beam to have done it any damage. They were close enough, though, to stun Ryanson if they hit him. He dropped flat, looking for the man who had fired. In a moment he found him. A small, lean man slipped almost silently over the edge of one of the step levels and rolled quickly to cover beneath the next. He had got further than Ryanson had realized. Only three levels separated them now. He could see, from this distance in the near dark, the cruel lines of the man's face. It was a harsh, dirty face with wrinkles like seams. The man's eyes were harsh slits. Ransom had seen too many faces like that here on the edge. This was a man with a bitter hatred, looking for the chance to unleash it upon anyone who got in his way, and the enjoyment which Ransom saw gleaming in the man's eyes chilled him momentarily. In that moment, the man leaped to the next level, sending off a beam which struck the wall two feet from Ryanson. He felt the stinging vibration against his body as he lay flat. Slowly he sighted the disintegrator at the top of the level under which the man had crouched for cover and waited for his next leap. Within him he felt only a bitter cold which matched the wind whipping above him. Again the man moved but he had crept to the side of the stairs before he leaped, and Ryanson's shot bit into the stone beside him as he rolled to safety. Now, only one level separated them. Further down the stairs, Ryanson saw the others moving up behind the smaller man. Still more were moving out from the outer buildings and darting to the stairs, but he had no time to hold them back. There was silence, except for the wind. And the man leaped, firing once, Twice, the second beam took Ryanson in the left wrist and spun him off balance for a moment, but he was already firing in return, rolling to one side. His third shot took the man's right shoulder off and bit into his neck. The man staggered forward two steps, trying to raise his stunner again, but suddenly it clattered to the floor and he crumpled on top of it. A pool of blood spread around him. Ryanson moved back to the cover of the side wall and watched for the other men. The first one had got too near. Ranson hadn't realized how easily they could approach in this near darkness. He felt the numbness of the stunner beam spreading nearly to his shoulder. His left arm was useless. Cursing, he trained the disintegrator along the line of the steps and fired. The disintegrator cut through the stone as though it were putty for a range of twenty feet. Ranson played the beam back and forth along the stairs, cutting them down to a smooth ramp which the attackers would have to climb before they could get to him. One of them tried to leap the last few levels before Ranson could cut them, but he sliced the man in two through the chest. The separate parts of the man's body fell and rolled back to the untouched levels below. He had not had time to utter even a cry of pain. For a time now, there was complete silence in the wind. Ranson could see the inert legs of the last attacker projecting out over the edge of the third level down, and undoubtedly the others saw them too. They were hesitating now, unsure of themselves. Ranson stayed pressed to the stone wall, waiting. The wind whipped with a rising moan through the upper reaches of the building. 
Another of the men slipped over the edge of the massive stairs, hugging the deeper darkness at the side of the stair wall, and slowly inched his way up the newly flattened ramp. Ranson watched him coldly, through a gray haze of fury that was yet tinged with despair. What use was all this, the killing, the blood, the sweat, and pain? It disgusted him, yet by its perverse senselessness it angered him too. He cut a swath through the crawling man, through head and neck and back. A gory, shell-like hulk slid back to the foot of the ramp. And abruptly the remaining men broke and ran. One of them rose and stumbled down the steep levels of the stairs, heedless of his exposure. With a shock, Ryanson saw that it was René Malholm. Another followed, and another. There were almost a dozen of them on the stairs. They all broke and ran. Ranson sent one beam after them, biting a depression into the rock wall beside them. Then they were gone. Ranson moved back from the head of the stairs and leaned wearily against the stone. His left arm was beginning to tingle with returning circulation now. He rubbed it absently with his good hand and wondered if they would try the sheer walls on the other side of the temple. He had scaled one of those ancient walls, but would they try it? Certainly they stood little chance of coming up the stairs, unless they gathered for a concerted rush. And who would lead such a suicidal attack? These men were vicious, but they valued their lives, too. Yet he couldn't watch 